baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Ryan Murphy uh, joins us from Purple Insider. Bring me the news. Vikings lose yesterday to the Detroit Lions in Detroit. Probably not shocking there, putting an end to their season. And um, considering, Brian, what the Vikings went through this season, losing Kirk Cousins, what kind of what grade do you give uh, Kevin O'Connell uh, for going through this season, what, what they went through, considering all the changes in quarterback? I think there's de- some definite criticism that you can level towards him. But all in all, I mean, when you lose Kirk Cousins, that pretty much puts an end to that season, does it not? Yeah, I would give him maybe a B minus C plus, and the B minus more on kind of keeping it all together, uh, you know, keeping it from completely falling apart after October 29th when Cousins went down for the season. Um, you know, there was no dissension in the locker room. You never had a sense that it was unraveling. Everybody knew it was going to be an unlikely uphill climb to a playoff spot, and there was a burst of energy, of course with uh, Josh Dobbs and the Pastronaut experience and how dynamic and different and interesting he looked. But, you know, as the NFL is wont to do, everybody's going to regress to the mean. And at, at the quarterback position, you can't be in a position where you're you're starting four different quarterbacks and ex- expect, uh, you know, a playoff-level success. Where I give him the C, maybe even a C-minus on, is maybe game planning, a little bit of game yeah. management, especially – once he got stuck with quarterbacks who probably weren't going to be able to execute uh, the aggressive downfield passing game that Cousins could and that that O'Connell and, and his offensive coaches, I think, felt like, hey, if we just uh, scheme this up right and we, get these, we can put these inexperienced, underdeveloped, and frankly mediocre quarterbacks in a position to succeed, it didn't work a lot. Um, you know, Nick Mullins had a lot of production. A lot of turnovers. Yeah, Dobbs had his moment. Jaron Hall had his. It just wasn't. Uh, it just wasn't going to work. So I give him, you know, passing grades because of what he was able to to maintain. Um, but I'm sure he's got some self reflection and some some evaluation he's going to do on what he could have done better as well. So a disappointing season, um, but not one that was unexpected yeah. considering what happened in late October. And back to the you know the, the criticisms of him. I, I remember talking to you, you know, when the Dobbs phenomenon, when we were all you know, oh my gosh, this guy could be the answer. And you know, you reflect on it. Well, he had played for a bunch of different teams, but I, I think there's some fair criticism in the game, like you mentioned, the game planning when he was quarterback. He's got kind of that thing that you can't really predict, but you can. And I remember asking you about it. Well, do you rewrite the playbook for this guy? And why it's hard to do midseason. I feel like they didn't do enough to showcase his talents as as in the second two to the third and fourth start he made. I think that's a fair point, and I think uh, O'Connell may have tacitly acknowledged that uh, throughout the season. And if he didn't, he's probably going to realize that as he as he self assesses going into this off season. There are there were circumstances where 
you know, what made Dobbs successful in that brief two-game window was his improvising and his ability to make things happen outside of the pocket. That's not how the Vikings' game plan is basically set up. I mean, that's not how it was designed uh, for Kirk Cousins because he's a pocket passer. So I think they were maybe a little bit reluctant to to give Dobbs free reign because he was still absorbing the playbook and, and scheme and personnel and names in this first couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, it did seem like, though, that he they, they probably expected more from him than he was capable of delivering, and it might have been too late to reverse course on that. Again, these are all things that are not in a handbook for a head coach, right? You don't go into a season thinking, I'm going to start four different quarterbacks. I'm going to lose my superstar receiver for eight games in the middle of that season. I'm going to start 0-3 and 1-4, and I mean, even before they lost Cousins, this season you could argue was lost by mid-October because of that wretched start and the turnovers, which there's only so much coaching can do about the turnovers. But the Vikings were terrible in the (laughs) takeaway-giveaway ratio from week one on, and that plagued them. So you can point to a lot of different things. Uh, You know, the defense was excellent at times, especially during that midseason stretch. But there's a plenty of holes on that side of the ball, and you got a defensive coordinator in Brian Flores. We're not even sure he'll be back. He may be back. We're not sure. They've got a lot of holes in that roster that go beyond just quarterback, and this is going to be one of those off-seasons that are probably going to define the franchise for the next five years. If you could guess who would be the perfect quarterback or who is going to be the perfect quarterback, is it going to be Kirk? Are we going to get somebody new? Uh, Who would you like to see, Brian? I think there's a. This is going to be fascinating to watch in the next couple of months because there are great arguments to be made from a pure practical and schematic and offensive standpoint to bring Kirk Cousins back. Uh, he's familiar with Kevin O'Connell. He was, you know, maybe heading into an MVP type conversation yep. earlier this season. The big problem is he's going to be 36 in training camp. He's coming off a major injury and surgery. But more than that, he's going to cost the Vikings some serious money, 35 to $40 million, it sounds like. Is he going to be willing to take a below-market deal? I doubt it. He's got maximum leverage, as he always has. Um, is he going to, would he be willing to take a two-year deal if the Vikings were to draft somebody at number 10 or 11, wherever they're at in the pick? Uh, and develop a quarterback underneath them, maybe. Not if there's three or four years and more money on the table elsewhere. So, I, you know, it may not even come down to what the Vikings want. It's going to ultimately come down to what Kirk Cousins wants. And you can make hmm. a viable argument that it's time to start over fresh with a top 10, top 12 draft pick and a quarterback, maybe even move up in the draft to get one of those coveted picks, develop him and rebuild over the next couple of years, Again, how are you going to package that? How are you going to sell that to the fan base? All of these arguments can all be made in a viable sense. But I think it's really just going to come down to dollars and cents because you've got to re-sign Justin Jefferson. Yep. You've got Daniil Hunter on, de- on the defensive side that you want to re-sign maybe. And you've got a ton of holes to fill on the defensive side that may make it cost prohibitive to even bring back Cousins if you want him. 
Uh, on that note, on Justin Jefferson, again, proving how valuable he is, what an asset he is, and you're going to have to convince him, too, that there's going to be somebody throwing him the ball. But even with substandard quarterbacking, again, he proves he is worth every penny and is going to get a huge payday. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. He is going to get a huge payday, and it's probably good for him that uh, maybe they, they didn't come to a deal back in August when it's, they were negotiating a long-term extension, because you're right. I think he proved his value even more. Now, you can make the argument, well, he missed seven, eight games. I think he missed seven games with that hamstring yep. injury, and the Vikings were 5-2 and two without him. Yeah, okay, but I don't think there's any argument could be made that the Vikings are a better team without Justin <laughs> no. Jefferson. So. You know, he's going to get paid, as he should get paid. Now, it should also be noted, too, that the Vikings do have options with him. He's not able to walk away as a free agent as Daniil Hunter and um, uh, Kirk Cousins are. The, the Vikings do have an opportunity to maybe franchise tag him, still retain his rights. That's a dicey thing to do because you don't want to be looking at your franchise superstar wide receiver and cutting him off at the knees uh, in negotiations with that kind of move. So that could be delicate. But it's not as if, you know, they're, they're in danger of losing him. And you also make the, the point, too, I think he would like to have Cousins back. I think he feels really comfortable with Kirk Cousins. Um, but he was smart yesterday and not laying down that ultimatum, at least publicly. Um, I don't know if, how much impact he's going to have in the front office's quarterback decision. I think it's important to consider his his wishes, but ultimately it's going to be a financial decision. And I think Justin Jefferson should be smart enough to know that if he's going to get his pot of gold, uh, it may lessen the amount of gold that they're going to be able to give to the quarterback who's going to be throwing to him. So a lot of interesting decisions that have to be made, egos that need to be um, massaged. But from all indications, it doesn't appear, at least publicly, that Justin Jefferson is in any position to to dictate who's going to throw to him. And it, it, he hasn't expressed any disappointment even with the uh, the backups that we're throwing to him in the last two months, um, that he's not happy in Minnesota. Uh, draft the draft class of quarterbacks. Um, what do we know about uh, some possibilities there, and whether or not the Vikings would make a move to try to, as you mentioned earlier, even try to move up to get in those top ten spots? Well, it's 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 strong. I I don't have all the names in front of me, but I know what I've read is that it, you know it's a considerably strong draft class. But what what I think is going to you know obviously they're going to make a decision on Cousins by March. Yep. Uh, so that dictates you know whether you want to move up, whether you want to stay comfortable where you're at, whether you're even going to take a quarterback with that first pick. Because are you looking at developing somebody behind Cousins for a couple of years? a la the Jordan Love-Aaron Rodgers scenario where you take the baton and move on from the veteran in a couple of years? Or do you start fresh uh, with a rookie and say, look, there's going to be some growing pains, but we feel confident this guy's going to be our, our franchise future? I think what, what we've seen over the last couple of weeks that, that is going to impact this even more is the liabilities on defense. I think what Brian Flores was able to do um, with sort of a hybrid unit of uh, putting guys in positions, some lower-round picks, undrafted guys, 
uh, journeymen, as it were, putting them in positions to succeed. It worked for a, a period of time, but because of the offensive struggles, because the defense ended up on the field so long, they were exposed toward the end. So how much are you going to want to invest on the defensive side of the ball? they got a pretty good un- a core group at their tackle positions, Brian O'Neill, Christian Derisaw, who, by the way, is up for a contract uh, extension as well. Uh, your wide receiver is, is pretty much set there with Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, TJ Hawkinson is going to be coming back from knee surgery. But you've got a pretty solid core in your passing attack. What do you want to invest in your defense? Is that something you want to draft and develop? Because Quasi Adolfo Mensa's initial defensive picks in the high rounds have not panned out very well. And he's got some uh, accountability on that part to uh, to seek. But I, I so I, it, it's it's a lot of different pieces of the puzzle. It's going to depend on where they ultimately want to pick, what they're going to do with Cousins, and how much they need to invest on the defensive side of the ball is probably going to t- determine what they're going to do with that number one pick. Let's talk hockey. Minnesota women's professional hockey team had their home opener in front of an enormous crowd. It was 13,000 fans. Were you surprised that there were so many fans there? And also, they did great. They won. Um, but this is exciting. I, I, you know, I don't want to say I was surprised because, I mean, this is the, the cradle of hockey, right? Certainly American hockey and even women's hockey. I mean, you can make the argument this is where it all began. So I'm not exactly shocked that they had 13,000 plus. I'd be interested to see what the next right. home games are going to bring as well that aren't on a Saturday afternoon with all the fanfare. I'm sure that number is going to drop a bit. But, yeah, by all accounts, I mean, it was a great atmosphere, you know, a shutout victory at home, um, a, an opportunity for a lot of local uh, women who have forged great success overseas, either, well, either at University of Minnesota or Minnesota Duluth or uh, some of the various other schools, but also the, the success that they've had World Championships, Olympic Games. I mean, you read some of the post-game comments. I mean, this was as big a thrill for them and their families as going over and playing in the Olympics simply because, you know, it's a milestone, it's professional, it's successful, it looks like they've got, you know, they're not overreaching. There's six teams, traditional hockey markets, they're starting small, building, putting yourselves in a position to grow. Look, the product is what is good enough now to attract paying fans. And, and television eyeballs. The question is, do you sustain that success gradually and increase from six to eight to ten? Do you try to double? Do you try to go into non-traditional markets? Those are going to be decisions that the bean counters are going to have to make. But it's important if you look at the you know the failures of a lot of professional sports leagues, male or female. There's a lot of overreach at times, yeah. and when the initial funding and the initial excitement wears off. Uh, you, you find yourself in a new reality. So, but as far as the kickoff goes, and especially in this market, you couldn't have asked for a better uh, debut than Saturday at, the, oh, at yeah. Excel. And the mm-hmm. the bar stool test. I was at a bar on Saturday, and there was people who requested wanted the TVs changed to that game. So that uh, oh, anecdotally, nice. I mean, that's it, it worked. That uh, matters. That. What's that? Mm-hmm. I said that matters. That does matter. Yeah, Absolutely. Murph, thanks. Uh, we'll uh, continue to read you and uh, bring me the news and Purple Insider, and I appreciate the time. All right. Have a great week, everyone. Yep. Brian Murphy. Uh, it is. I'm so glad you said that. I, I do. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad people are aware of it, even at bars. And the fact also that it was, you know, broadcast on regular television or a yep. sports channel that they could see it. I, I love Valley that there was that. Yep. That yeah, that there was that kind of support. You know, we are the state of hockey, so we should be supporting. Um, 
that all kind of hockey. Yeah, that's great. Absolutely. We'll see. Again, that's a big question. Does it continue now uh, for uh, throughout the season? Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.